Joining us now is John Drieger, Vice President of Leftfield Commodity Research, to talk about corn prices. The corn prices are maybe uh, maybe not quite as dramatic as, as canola, but certainly uh, we have a futures market that's trading at multi-year highs and, and cash bids here in our own backyard that uh, at, at similar lofty levels. So so really, it's, uh, it's, it's really had a pretty dramatic run-up here if we think back to, say, last summer, early fall, when I think ideas were that uh, first of all, the U.S. crop would be bigger than it turned out to be, so, so supplies were a little smaller. Uh, we've also had uh, surprisingly good demand, and, and as we, we think over the winter, uh, particular export demand out of China, but we've also uh, you know, had good feeding demand in the U.S. Uh, and then as, as we sort of go along uh, through some of the other areas here more recently, there's concerns about dryness in Brazil, and, and so really, you know, it, it's like over the course of, of the, the winter, we've sort of had this steady tightening of the U.S. balance sheet to the point where kind of the, the ending stocks and carry out for the current crop year, uh, it's going to be the tightest in, in about seven or eight years at least, and, uh, and, and still shrinking further. So, so really the corn market has just kind of been responding to this, this steady uh, tightening, not just in the U.S., but globally, and, and really that's what's, uh, what's been driving this market higher, uh, you know, not just on U.S. futures, but even in our own backyard here. The higher prices here is that going to impact other items? You know, like uh, like gas. Yeah, so so probably I would say from a from a crop market perspective overall. I mean, they, there's a phrase "corn is king," and, and in many ways that's true in terms of its importance in terms of, of grain markets and, and and crop markets. You know, it it really uh, uh, you know it, it really of, of all the crops would be the one that that has the single biggest impact because you know it's such a large crop. It covers so many acres in the U.S. Even in our own backyard, here affects feed grain markets. You know, barley prices have been high, feed wheat prices have been high, and, and, and there's, there's multiple factors to that. But, but certainly, you know, in, from a crop market perspective, the effects of corn do spill over and everything else, uh, even battling for acres, which has pushed up uh, soybean prices, and soybeans have been tight as well. So, so really, it's, it's, as these markets are, they all kind of are, are interwoven and, and, and connected. And so, you know, the corn has its own independent story, but other ones are also tight, and, and they're kind of all linked uh, but within that, uh, because of corn's influence, you know, it really does uh, does have the have have a sort of an outsized impact, if you will. And uh, as, as you know, none of these commodity markets are an island onto their own; they're sort of playing off each other. And and uh, and then within all this, uh, uh, a speculative element that comes in as well. Lots of speculative buying interest. We think about corn, but but also commodity markets in general. You know, we've been seeing higher you know, crude oil prices and. So even lumber and some of those things, and, and all of those things kind of sort of buy into this this narrative as well for for commodity prices. So it it, it really it really has multiple tailwinds that have uh, really pushed prices higher. Corn planting underway now, I guess. How's the um, crop shaping up this year? Yeah, well, so so far in in, uh, in if we think about the U.S. and again, that's the one that really drives markets. You know, good strong early pace of planting in the U.S. Uh, so that all else equal should be good for crop conditions. By and large, most of the U.S. is is in reasonably good shape from a from a weather perspective. Uh, so, in, in that sense, not any uh, let's say early season uh, alarming threats. Uh, but within that, of course, uh, you know, as you start getting into North Dakota and, and even here, for example, in southern Manitoba, the extreme dryness is is very much on the radar. Uh, so, we think about from a broader corn market perspective, well, North Dakota isn't as important as something like uh, Iowa or Illinois would be. Uh, but even so, you know, it is a market that uh, that essentially needs every bushel it can get, and so any potential yield loss, uh, if we don't get some rains in, in some of these even more, say, fringe areas from a corn market perspective, makes uh, makes an impact. And so, uh, 
Uh, but you know, it, it, it's going to be really volatile, and uh, you know, any any risk of a of a yield hiccup in the U.S. in particular. I mean, that's just only going to light even more fire on this uh, on this on this corn market here. So it's uh, yeah, it, it, it's it's certainly going to be volatile. The summers are often volatile from a from a market perspective because of weather. It just seems like uh, this year that's just started even even sooner than it might typically be. That was John Drieger, Vice President with Leftfield Commodity Research, talking to us here today about corn prices. Continuing on today's Prairie Eggwire, Glendalee Allen Vosser talks with Wayne Thompson, the new Chief Executive Officer for the Flax Council of Canada, about his new role and the Council's goals. Wayne, of course, people in Saskatchewan, very familiar with you and your role with Sask Flax. Talk to us about your role now as CEO for FCC. Stepping into the role of the Flax Council of Canada, uh, the idea behind that is to create some synergies in the industry. Uh, I will continue to be the uh, executive director of the Saskatchewan Flax Development Commission because we... We, we know that the flax industry has a lot of opportunities, but we don't want to create a bureaucracy-heavy industry. So having, having everything work, have, having two organizations in the same office will create some communication benefits. The Flax Council of Canada has gone through a process of developing a new business plan for to, to determine a way forward for the benefit of the flax industry, not only the farmers, but the traders, the processors, the exporters. Because uh, after doing a review and consulting with the current Flax Council of Canada members and other stakeholders in the industry, it was determined that there is a need for a national organization. There's a lot of benefits to having that voice when you're speaking to federal government in Ottawa, uh, working with international customers. They like that uh, sense of a, a Canadian presence. So we're, we're working on our new business plan that focuses on market access issues uh, to maintain the trade with the world and our customers we have and new customers that we're going to have to seek out as we continue to grow more flax and diversify our markets. Uh, and then, yeah, we, we definitely have an increase in flax production expected according to Stats Canada this spring. Uh, maybe not as significant as we were anticipating a few months ago. But we know with the world demand that any increase in production is welcome. So when we're talking about production acreage, what kind of numbers are we looking at? Bath Canada came out with their estimates here just a few weeks ago. And for Western Canada or the Canadian production, seeded acres expected to be 981,500 acres. And... The Saskatchewan acreage is in the 772,000 acre range, which is about even with our seeded acres last year. And Wayne, before I let you go, we want to remind producers that the Flax Council of Canada is looking for members. Yes, yes, we're... We've got a core set of members that have been with the Flax Council of Canada for several years, 
but we want to broaden that membership because we do have uh, a need to have more people around the table so we have a broader conversation, understand what other players that maybe aren't around the table right now are seeing and dealing with so that we can uh, benefit the industry in the broadest sense. That's Wayne Thompson, the Chief Executive Officer for the Flax Council of Canada. For Golden West, I'm Glendalee Allen Vossler. Thanks, Glendalee. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. On behalf of Glendalee Allen Vossler, I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network.